Alrighty, hello again everyone and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the 22nd of uh, March 2022. Happy Wednesday. No, yeah, Wednesday to you. Good Lord. Anyway, 2023. Did I say 2022? I don't even know, man. I just don't know. Anyway, I do appreciate you listening that much. I do know. Check out patreon.com slash Podcast or derekhunter.locals.com. To see how much I appreciate you, I sweat and bleed for you people there in the uh, Week in F and Review. So uh, thanks to all the support there. Let us, let's get to the program. Let's get started so we can get done, right? Let's, uh, I want to, I've got to start off by talking about, because it's the day. Now the day ain't over, but the day that Donald Trump said he was going to be arrested. I don't know what's going to happen and we'll find out together i suppose but i find it wildly interesting i i watched cable news i made a point of after soccer practice quinn had her first soccer practice it was something to behold running around she was kicking the soccer ball way more than better way more better way better than she does in our backyard she was actually running and kicking the ball and running around with kids and laughing. And then after, apparently some boy came up to her and said that her shoes were lame and then kicked the ball away from her. And this bothered her to no end. She, uh, she kept on obsessing about it for like a half an hour afterwards. I had to, we took her to a store and got a new soccer ball because she needed a new soccer ball. The old one was beat up. But she was like very upset that someone had said she had lame shoes. And she was trying to understand why this boy would say she had lame shoes. And I tried to explain that that is how, in fact, boys treat girls. They like girls. They don't know why. They don't know how. They don't know what to do about it. So a girl they like, they uh, say things that are mean. Some boys never grow out of that. And, like, when I was a kid, I, I got into trouble in the third grade for flinging dog poop on a stick at girls. I remember Chrissy Sherman was her name. That me and my friend Pat and Brad all liked Chrissy Sherman. And uh, she had two other friends that, like, every day somebody was in Chrissy's favor. And I don't know why, but the, our flirting method was throwing mud, mud at them, flinging dog poop at them. And, you know, it, it didn't work. But, you know, that was, all, that was our best game. They never went away, though. They never, like, ran away. Like, Stay away from us. You're playing with poop. So... In that sense, it worked. Like, I don't know what you expect to happen in third grade. So I had to explain that to her. I hope it didn't stick because she's five and that doesn't matter. But anyway, needless to say, she's going to wear different shoes on Saturday to Saturday's game. But uh, I don't even know why. <laughs> that was my night. But I came home after that and I watched Fox. And it was nonstop after Tucker about the Trump tweet that he was going to be arrested, that it was it was a foregone conclusion. They're coming to get him. They're coming to take me away, ha-ha. They're coming to take me away, ho-ho. And it was a little bit disturbing the extent to which, particularly the 9 o'clock hour, they, uh, the guest host there unquestioningly just, I mean, there was like nothing else going on in the world. 
unquestioningly did the bidding of the former president without without even a hit with nothing else. There was nothing else going on. It was guest after guest after guest, all of whom were on the payroll of Fox, by the way. Uh, talking about this. Very few of them were actual lawyers, so I'm not really sure. Look, Alvin Bragg's bad guy. Don't like him. Bad dude. Uh, New York, he's making it into a cesspool, but then again, this is what the people vote for. So, you know, can you feel really sorry for somebody beating their head against a brick wall and going, ow, my head hurts. I don't get it. Like, well, I've got a suggestion. You're not going to like it. Maybe stop beating your head against a brick wall. No, I can't do that. So, you, you watch this fecal show and you just see it is brag is a monster brag is this brag is that brag like look i don't care who your prosecutor is i'm not defending brag but you can you can find a prosecutor who dropped the ball on something every prosecutor even your favorite prosecutor if you have if prosecutor trading cards were a thing the mickey mantle rookie of prosecutors would be would have some sort of uh, yeah you really screwed up there in their past that's just the way the world works now bragg has more than most bragg has that as a, a general policy you could make that case but shouldn't you wait to make any case when there's an actual case to be made same thing over at MSNBC. Rachel Maddow was working her one day of the week, and she did a whole show about how, oh, you know, what arresting politicians is perfectly normal and blah, 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 blah. Like, okay, no, it's not, though. You know, arresting former presidents on BS charges, not perfectly normal. It is the stuff of banana republics. But look, if the president of the United States did a serious crime, a former president or a current president, you should go after them 100%. No questions asked. But uh, to pay off a porn star for silence is not selling secrets to China. It's not cozy. It's not even accepting illegal campaign contributions to China, from like Bill Clinton and Al Gore did, and George W. Bush looked the other way, instructed his Justice Department, "We're looking forward, not backwards." Like, well, um, every single prosecution is looking backwards. Every single nobody's been convicted of pre-crime look i can see both sides of this thing nobody's been convicted of pre-crime so when bush comes in we're looking forward not backwards well everybody who's being prosecuted for murder has already committed that murder should their lawyer stand up and say hey we're adopting the new justice department standards of looking forward not backwards and forward everybody is alive backwards not so much the guy that uh, i've read shot here but that's beside the point why are we looking backwards when we should be looking forwards Prosecutions are about looking backward. The problem is, back in the 2001 era, the innocent times, politics was had some Marcus of Queensbury rules. It was a very gentlemanly sport, even though it was getting worse and worse and worse. It was still, hey, you know what? We're all in the same club. We're all in this. Now it's not. It's not. It maybe was the spark, the flashpoint for that was the election of Donald Trump, but it's not just about Donald Trump now. This Trump derangement syndrome was real and still is real, but it metastasized quickly into Republican derangement syndrome. 
And so every Republican who doesn't bow, who isn't a Lincoln Project Republican, who isn't an MSNBC Republican, is treated the same way. Trump was patient zero to the left, but he was not the last patient at all. It is not contained in him. So they go nuts. Bragg is going nuts. Bragg is worthless. Bragg is terrible. Bragg is blah, 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 blah. Now take into consideration all of that and then recognize that just because Donald Trump tweeted that he was going to be arrested doesn't mean he's going to be arrested. Take into consideration... This might be me being too cynical, and like I said yesterday, I'll happily eat a big plate of crow if I turn out to to be wrong. But first of all, logistically, there's no way that a former president can be arrested. Forget the trumped-up nature of the charge. Forget the trumped-up nature of the charge. No pun intended. Logistically, with Secret Service protection, there's no physical way a former president can be arrested. Not by, you know, some prosecutor somewhere sending a goon squad in. We have a warrant. We're coming in. The Secret Service isn't going to allow that. The Secret Service has a job to do. The job is to protect the physical being of a person, an individual. In this case, a former president, so the stakes are a little bit higher. It's not conditional. We don't lose that. The only former president to give up to lose Secret Service protection was Richard Nixon, and he voluntarily gave it up and contracted with private security for his protection. Why he did that, I don't know why he did that. Maybe they were going to, I wasn't alive then, maybe they were going to get rid of him. Maybe they were going to get rid of his Secret Service protection because he resigned. I don't know. But Donald Trump is entitled to Secret Service protection for the rest of his life. It is insane to think that anybody could just come knock on the door like the pizza guy and get anywhere near Donald Trump. That's not the way the world works. Not by accident, anyway. So the idea that he would be arrested is absurd. Now, he could be conflating arrested and charged. He could be charged with something, and the charges are absolutely bogus and made up. The statutes of limitations of all lapsed. They're creating a novel law out of whole cloth to try and charge him if the reports are to be believed. But what happens if he's not charged? What happens not just today, but what if he's not charged? Is there, what is the argument then? Well, I suspect the argument will be, see, we won. We scared him off. We did it. We defended the thing, whatever, whatever, whatever. I am just too cynical and been involved in politics for too long and observing politics for too long to believe that there's a lose scenario for Donald Trump in tweeting out, they're coming to get me, take to the streets, protest, which, by the way, there there was a protest yesterday in the streets of New York in front of the prosecutor's office. There were about nine people, nine. There were more reporters there. Now, this is, of course, there wasn't an arrest, at least not yet, so it doesn't seem, you kind of need an event, you should need an event to inspire people to do anything if you're trying to get them to be upset over a particular event. But when you're looking at the 
grand scheme of things, this seems to have been brought up in a relatively slow news time to get some attention. Now, candidates running for political office always try to get attention. That's part of the job. But if this turns out to have been an attempt to get attention and to put Ron DeSantis on defense because immediately after, like four hours after the first tweet, what happened or a bunch of people who were on Trump's staff, on his social media staff, saying, why hasn't Ron DeSantis condemned this? Why hasn't Ron DeSantis condemned this? Why hasn't Ron DeSantis condemned this? Then Ron DeSantis got around to... Ron DeSantis is kind of busy. He's the governor of a state. He got around to condemning it, and then the former president pounced on him, saying, this isn't adequate. This is this is blah, blah, blah. And like, wait a second. He made a gay joke at him, or at least uh, it's being perceived as it. After Ron DeSantis finally got around to addressing the situation with Bragg, Trump tweeted out, quote, Ron will probably find out this sometime in the future when he's unfairly and illegally attacked by a woman or possibly a man, exclamation point, with false, false accusations. Now that was deleted. And then it came back and he uh, walked, well, he didn't walk it back. He reworded it and included a link from a rabid left-wing site called Midas Touch, which is these two brothers. I think that's their last name. It's spelled differently. And they're, they're just really bad, fraudulent people and uh, left-winger activists all the way. It's weird that a former president, a former, uh, that a Republican would cite them, but that's what he's doing. He tweets it. And uh, the, the story is exclusive. Ron DeSantis partied with underage girls at drinking party while teaching at Georgia school. It's one of those rumor mill stories. Hasn't been proven, can't be proven, but there's a picture of a young Ron DeSantis. He actually looks like he's in college, and these girls look like they're in college. And it's being, I don't know. I don't know the truth. Moreover, I don't care. Again, not electing Pope. And Trump then tweeted, Ron DeSanctimonious will probably find out a false, uh, find out about false accusations and fake stories sometime in the future as he gets older, wiser, and better known when he's unfairly and illegally attacked by a woman, even classmates that are underage, or possibly a man again, I'm sure he will want to fight these misfits just like I do. Well, that's gratitude for you. <laughs> DeSantis made it clear that he's not going to cooperate with any extradition attempts and that he's not going to play this game. And he thinks Alvin Bragg is a woke leftist, horrible prosecutor involved in political persecution. And Trump comes out and says, well... Ron DeSantis is just this side of a child molester who's enabling young kids. And he'll find out when they go after him the way I'm going after him right now. Like, well, that's gratitude for you. The, the hand that feeds you has been fully bitten. That's why I suspect. That's why I'm suspicious. That's why I want to see receipts. Because this was all seemingly planned. It's 
pretty much going to according to plan. If I if I were to plan it, we need a way to alienate, get people riled up. We need a way to have an attack against our opponent with nothing. Okay, well, they're going to arrest me. All right, yeah, there you go. They're going to arrest me. And it's terrible and it's an injustice. Why hasn't my opponent condemned this political attack on me? The opponent comes in and condemns it. And he says, well, it's too late. You're going you're gonna to discover this sometime in the future when they look into the allegations that wink, wink, nudge, nudge, I totally condemn of you. And there's no allegations of Ron DeSantis paying off anybody for sex. If there are, bring them forward. Let's have it. But then what happens? Because at some point you got to go, well, then shouldn't. At a certain point, officers show up. Somebody says, hey, you're under arrest. or Hey, we've got an arrest warrant. Or we, at some point, you do. But there's already a ready-made excuse in there for that, too. What is it? We've won. We've scared them off. We did. That's why there was no prosecution. Not that it's a lame case and somebody, if Bragg were considering this, I don't know. It seems too weak to even really be in consider this but if bragg were considering this there's got to be somebody in the democratic party comes up and says dude yeah look i get him if you can i get that and i appreciate that and i'm right there for you he's a witch burn him but this case is like tissue paper you're going to make him stronger there's no way to go forward you can't go forward with this that would be kind of the thing don't you think somebody should would bring that up of course they would so will there be an arrest i don't know will there be an arrest warrant i don't know but we're looking at a situation where the media is conservative media in particular is already jumping through hoops if donald trump isn't the nominee it will be because he was attacked unfairly by this prosecutor i will vote third party said morons i will follow him wherever he do you care about principle or do you care about the cult of personality? By the way, if you're sitting there whining, oh my God, can you believe that that Rhonda uh, McDaniel was re-elected the chair of the Republican National Committee? This is a sign that the fix is in. Uh, Donald Trump endorsed her. Donald Trump appointed her. <laughs> he picked her. You can't get further in the tank than that. So, like, it's amazing to me the hoops that people will jump through, falsely, fakely, to try and seem edgy, to lie to audiences, to lie to their fans, to lie to their followers in order to, I don't know, be in the moment. Problem is, you know, it's real easy to lie. You just got to remember what lies you told. Sooner or later, you will be exposed. I really am genuinely curious what these people are going to do if this doesn't come to pass, because so many of them are pot committed. Saying this is an outrage. This is an. This it would be an outrage. Yeah, I get it. I wouldn't put anything past a Democrat either, to be honest with you. But they don't win by being wildly stupid. They do pick their battles sometimes, and they pick them wisely. So will this, will they do something? I don't know. And what if it, here's a, a question I have, because I'm not, the, the charges that were sort of told by uh, Trump allies are that it was, it was hush money. It was this, it was that, it was the other thing. It was just straight up hush money. 
Well, that certainly does seem like garbage. It'll be laughed out of court, and it will make Trump stronger, and I will be right there with him if that's what it is. You're paid off this. Well, yeah, you know what? It's perfectly allowed to. It's immoral, but who cares? My I didn't vote for Pope thing comes into play there. But what if it's something else? What if there's a tax charge? I don't know. It'd probably still be garbage, but I can't dismiss it out of hand. I just, I have a problem with anybody who's blindly loyal to a politician. To any politician. It doesn't matter who that politician is. Blind loyalty to a politician is no good, in my opinion. Ideals, principles, principles are so much better. There is literally not, every, I get it. Donald Trump's presidency was a, a, a wonderful presidency. It was certainly better than the things that it that were bookended by Obama and Biden. But it wasn't perfect. The guy fired half his staff. They're disloyal. They're this, they're that, and the other thing. Had public feuds with half his staff. You should probably focus a little bit better on, you know, I would like the president to talk about how he will do a better job of picking staff this time. Right? That's what I want to see. There's no bigger border hawk than Ann Coulter. She was unhappy with the border wall. He did not push to do the border wall hard enough. He eventually got around to buying the equipment, but it was too late. Maybe he was thinking he would do it in his second term, but do it. There was never that executive order on clarifying birthright citizenship and getting rid of birthright citizenship. I'd like to hear him. He's putting out a lot of things now that sound really, really good. But in the grand scheme of things, you've got to take the everything a politician says. And I get it. Donald Trump isn't a politician. Donald Trump was president of the United States. That's the ultimate politician. The second he rode down that escalator and announced that he was running for president, he became a politician. That's the very definition of a politician. So if you say you're going to do something, do it. You never know. There is no tomorrow in politics. It's not guaranteed. You've got to push forward on everything you possibly can. The swamp is still swampy. I get it. It's a nice slogan, drain the swamp, but the swamp wasn't drained. How was the swamp drained? To anybody out there, I'm open to the possibility that I'm wrong, but I don't see any evidence of it. The swamp, he drained the swamp. Only he can drain the swamp. Well, if he drained the swamp, then well, Biden filled the swamp back up. Well, who drained how? Where? Where's the corruption? Where's the prosecution? Where's the exposure of fraud? Where is it? I'm not saying anybody would be better. I'm not saying I wouldn't vote for the guy. I'd happily vote for the guy, especially over any Democrat. But I will not blindly follow any politician ever, anywhere, into anything. I've never had a, if this person isn't my nominee, I will not vote for them. I will follow them third party. It's wildly destructive. I believe in things. (laughs) I, I believe in them smart enough to differentiate between things, ideals, and people. Then again, I'm not trying to sell you something. 
I'm just trying to tell you something. And there's a difference. There's a big difference. You listen to a lot of these people, and it is just straight up hook, line, and sinker. Hook, line, and sinker. And frankly, I know some of these people. They're lying. <laughs> you get them alone and they're like, oh, no, this guy's an idiot. This thing's a, oh, it'll never work. And I know it'll never happen. But uh, you know what, people? It lights up the phone lines. It does this. My uh, Rumble account goes crazy. My Twitter followers do this. That, and it's like, dude, there's a reason I don't talk to them anymore. And there's a reason that some of these people are so wildly disliked. They spend their whole show pimping for other things that they're doing. They spend their whole show pimping themselves. Do you really think they're going to have anybody's back? They just won't. So I am adopting the unpopular but principled wait-and-see attitude. Believe me, I have a giant plate of crow in in the fridge. It's in Tupperware, so it'll stay for a couple of days. I want to see, and then, uh, you know, if necessary, I'll throw it in the freezer, that I will be prepared to eat if I need to eat it. But I don't think so. Uh, this is part of the reason why I don't like to make predictions about the future and talk about things in the future because you never know. But at some point, somebody's got to be the voice of reason against this hyper telling people what they want to believe or trying to scare the hell out of people because it sells garbage. Rush Limbaugh rolling over in his grave at the way that these people are going, hey, you know what? This is an outrage. The Republic is going to end. My goodness. No. You never heard that. You never heard Rush settling scores you never heard rush actually even acknowledge anybody else in the race. rush just did what rush did that's what made rush great is at times where other people were panicking or pretending to panic he was a voice of calmness he was a voice of reason and logic so i don't know i grew up on rush i think everybody kind of grew up on rush but I didn't lose that gene. I didn't replace it with the uh, whoring myself out gene. Now I want to shift to the White House press briefing because that was a bit of a a mess yesterday. It's amazing to now. I don't. This reporter from uh, the African News Agency is he the greatest reporter? Is he the Edward R. Murrow of our time or whatever it is? No, no, he's not. He's just a reporter trying to do his job. Uh, it It is amazing to me how asking a question of this administration is frowned. Or trying to ask a question is a problem. Standing up and asking something that isn't sycophantic about this is bizarre to me. It's an anathema. You cannot have this. How dare you? Simon Abeta, I believe is how you pronounce it. A-T-E-B-A. Simon Abeta. He He doesn't get a question at the press briefing. He simply does not get 
a question at the press briefing. He's the Today News Africa chief White House correspondent. It's been seven months since he's been called on. He's had run-ins with the historic Karine Jean-Pierre beforehand, complaining about this very same thing because he can't do his job if this administration won't talk to him. Now, it's weird. (coughs) Karine Jean-Pierre is rude as the day is long to this guy. Just a rude person. Unbelievably rude. Always has been to this guy. We're not talking about this. We're not talking to you. And the press corps, remember the press corps during the Trump administration? It was Jim Acosta. It was the New York Times, Zeke, uh, Zeke Miller. It was MSNBC. It was everybody up there just badgering, 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 whoever the press secretary was, tag-teaming. And then during COVID, when there were restrictions on the number of things, you remember those press briefings during the uh, marathon press briefings where what happened? They said, well, I am asking a question for myself, and then I'm asking a question on behalf of so-and-so, another, my a colleague, my colleague, who is unable to attend this press briefing because of space restrictions. They were asking questions on behalf of each other. They banded together. There were uh, reporters who were kicked out of the White House press briefing, and there were protests staged by the other reporters who were there, left-wing activists, of course, who were rude, who were incredibly rude. Who, you know, when Jim Acosta ripped the microphone out of the intern's hand, he got in trouble. And we will not ask. We will not uh, stand for Jim Acosta being. How dare you do this, that, and the other thing? They all stood in unison in the name of the First Amendment, the importance of the press. Now Simon Abeda can't ask a question. He won't get a question answered. They're not interested, and not one single jackass in that entire press corps goes. You know what? You've called on me, Karen Jean-Pierre, and I appreciate that. You call on me every day. I am the New York Times. I am the Associated Press. But in the interest of solidarity with the White House press corps, and because I'm a left-winger and I believe in equity, and I, as a white guy, will uh, bow out, and I pass this question that you're allowing me to ask to Simon Abeda, a, a black man from Africa, I defer to him. Not one single reporter in that press corps is willing to do that. They'd throw themselves on train tracks for Jim Acosta. But Simon Abeda, forget it. Why? Because Simon Abeda isn't a doctrinaire leftist. He isn't a conservative. He isn't any, he's a reporter from Africa. He can't even vote. And he's no vote whatsoever. He just doesn't ask the questions the way that the left-wing media in this country asks them. So And he goes on Tucker Carlson to complain about them. So to hell with Simon Abeda. I want to play you this clip from the White House press briefing yesterday where they're all getting... Now, this is a room full of white people getting mad at a black man for being angry that he's not getting called on at all by the very historic... Because one of the reasons it's Karine Jean-Pierre is historic is the color of her skin, right? She's so historic. She's the first. Oh, it's wonderful. She hates this guy. Now, why does she hate this guy? Who knows? 
Simon Abeda has his own beliefs that she's a racist or she hates where he's from compared to where she's from, whatever, whatever the reason, it doesn't matter. It's probably just as simple as ideological. He's not a doctrinaire leftist. She knows he's going to ask a question that won't help advance the progressive agenda. He won't know his place. So they're mad. And what you're going to hear in particular is a white guy named Brian Karam. Brian Karam used to be the White House correspondent for Playboy. I don't think he's employed by Playboy anywhere. I don't really know who he's employed by anymore, to be honest with you, why he's there. I'll never know. He was the jackass who challenged Sebastian Gorka to a fight at a White House event. That's Brian Karam. <laughs> He's still there. He's a reporter in good standing. He's a left-wing activist. He used to fight with Sean Spicer, and that got him a CNN deal. Literally, that's why he got a CNN deal. He caused a spectacle, made a clown of himself, and got a CNN contributorship out of the deal. He will tell the black man, this white guy will tell Simon Abeda, the black man, to learn his place. He doesn't use those exact words. I believe he says behave yourself or something like that. Again, the guy who challenged Sebastian Gorka to a fight at a White House event out on the, uh, the, the, the East Lawn. Listen to this exchange. You can't keep discriminating against some people in the briefing room because you don't like them, you don't like them. So you have a choice. No, you, you, you have a choice. You have a choice. A number of people okay. in the briefing room, and I'm saying that that's not right. This is not China. This is not Russia. This is the United ah! States. This is the White House. It's been seven months. I sent you seven months. You're the rest of us are here too, pal. It's been seven months. You guys have not done any more for me. If you have grievances, you should bring them to her later. I have done that. I have done that. All my emails have been ignored. And the press corps is tired of dealing with this. It is not about you, Simon. Understand that you get questions all the time, and you don't understand why it is to sit here for eight months and being discriminated against. Understand that you're in the front row, and you feel comfortable, and you get questions all the time. But there are people in the back who don't get any questions. Don't make assumptions about what the rest of us do. Mind your manners when you're in here. If you have a problem, you bring it up afterwards. But you are impinging on everybody in here who's only trying to do their job. Okay, Sorry. thank you. I'm saying that you shouldn't discriminate against some people because you don't agree with their question. You're offended by your question. We all heard it. Mind your manners. Shut up, black guy. Learn your place. The two reporters you heard arguing with him were Brian Karam and Jeff Mason, the White House correspondent for Reuters. They're basically telling this guy, shut up. We are going to ask questions. Now, ask yourself this question. When was the last time you heard any of them, either of them, anybody in that press room, except for occasionally Peter Ducey ask a question that was worth a damn, that wasn't fully sycophantic, that couldn't have easily been handled by simply rewording a, a press release from the White House? Jeff Mason, he's, uh, if that name sounds familiar, he's on special report with Brett Baer every once in a while. It's part of the reason why the show's getting unbearable. Because he's a, a left-wing hack. And he goes out there and he, he just spews the left-wing line and uh, he pretends to be an honest reporter. 
and I don't know, courtesy or friendship or whatever causes the people on the panel, probably fear of not being booked back again, causes the people on that panel to all defer to him and go, yeah, well, you know, you're right. You can spew those left-wing talking points, and I wouldn't dare point out that they're left-wing talking points because why? I don't know why. Because Fox seems to be interested in the at least in their news division the interest of fairness it's like fox is forgetting what made fox fox we've got a common ground saying we've got a republican and a democrat coming together i don't care if republican and democrats come together i want to know what's going on in the world i don't know they're getting together they both agree that we need massive subsidies and yay great congratulations sell your podcast Roger Ailes died. What made Fox, Fox died with him. But Jeff Mason, he'll be on there. He won't be asked about this. Hey, you and Brian Karam telling a black guy to shut up and learn his place. How's that? You uh, you want to accuse every Republican of being racist, and here you are telling a black man to learn his place. Now, not to be outdone, Zeke Miller of the Associated Press, when the melee calms down, actually apologizes on behalf of the press. To Karen Jean-Pierre. Yeah, we're sorry this black man got a little too uppity. We'll teach him his place. Thanks, Green. It's first a, a moment of personal privilege here. I just want to express uh, our apologies to the press corps, to the folks watching at home for the display we saw earlier. Our responsibility is to them. We're here to ask questions on their behalf to hold their government accountable because they can't all be here. Um, this, is, this isn't about us. Listen, we're sorry. We're sorry that black guy got a little too uppity. We, we know our place. Don't worry. No eye contact with the king. We apologize unreservedly. We will now get back to kissing your ass. Yeah. God. Imagine that happening four years ago, three years. No, never in a million years. I want to shift to the war and the warmongering in Ukraine. I'm on record as proudly not really caring all that much about Ukraine. And I get the, whenever I say that, I do get some emails. Some people agree with me, but I get the other ones, people who vehemently disagree with me. And you're free to have your own opinion. All I ask is the same courtesy be extended to me. It's weird because I'm the one with the show that's supposed to talk about what's going on and give my opinion about what's going on. And then some people are mad that I have an opinion that disagrees with, with theirs. That's what makes this country great. The left is the the group of people that do not allow dissenting opinions. Sadly, the right is, I don't know, running risk of, not going fully, but running risk of becoming the left light, as they have on so many other things. Oh, here's the Republic, here's the Democrat health care plan. Where's the Republican health care plan? Oh, uh, we're formulating our own health care plan right now. Oh, all right, so you believe that the federal government should be involved in health care then? Why is there nobody on the right in elected office anyway who can articulate an argument for individual rights or the rights of states to set their own health insurance markets? The federal government, within five years, they're pushing this crap now. If the Republicans don't grow a pair then the federal government will be paying for children to have their pair removed. 
if you catch my drift. They're sitting there, and there will be introductions. They have already been grousing about it, and the Progressive Caucus will come up with something, probably this year, of the Trans Rights Protection Act. We've got to protect the children. It's all about children. They're doing this in states. Of course they're going to do it on a federal level. You think AOC and the gang and the goon squad over there is going to sit idly by while somebody in... Colorado or Wisconsin goes, we need to introduce some sort of trans legislation. They're going to let the people in Annapolis, the Democrats in Annapolis, have the glory? Hell no. They want the glory. They need the glory. They know it won't go anywhere, but they're going to introduce it. And then eventually, Democrats will likely regain control of Congress at some point. That's just the way the world works, especially with a horrible education system churning out ignorant people at a record pace, so they will eventually have their vote. They'll say, look at what we've done. we protected children. From what? You've protected, because I was more concerned about the children being protected from the doctor with an agenda and a desire to desperately bill the hell out of an insurance company to physically mutilate their appearance their bodies sterilized. I'm kind of worried about, you know, Mengele and Sons practice over there. But uh, you're, you have a different view of the world. So these people will come out with something. They don't care. They will push forward. They don't care. They can't be reasoned with. They are the Terminator. Remember how absurd this stuff sounded, what, just a couple years ago? And now we're to the point that there are really literally state legislatures in, like, Wisconsin passing a law that says you must allow trans children to gender affirming care in annapolis here they're getting ready to do that same thing now will the leadership of the see for the long in annapolis as i imagine it is in a lot of states there are always really stupid members there are always radical leftist members and they allow the leadership of the party allows them to sort of churn along and they introduce their legislation and like in annapolis of course you have 90 day session and if you don't get your legislation through all the things and jump all the hoops if you can't do that and that by the time the session is over they go oh man we were ready to do that but the clock struck 12 we all turned back into pumpkins we will take this on next year because this is obviously crucially important and for a long time, these Democrats believed, yeah, you know, leadership is on board. We just ran out of time. Of course, leadership is the one who's, especially in a state like Maryland, where the Democrats have absolute power, they're the ones who decide what gets prioritized and what doesn't. And they slow walk everything else. So at the end of the day, they go, oops, sorry. Now, some members in Annapolis, they understand that. They understand that, and they're mostly involved in these piece, pushes for these pieces of legislation for show. So they can go back to their district. I am all for trans rights. In fact, I was a co-sponsor of the You Must Let Doctors Butcher Your Child Against Your Will Act. We just ran out of time this legislative session. We weren't able to do it. There's really only two or three of these weirdos who actually believe this crap. So, <laughs> you know, just say it. But they keep coming back. And eventually, they get enough votes that leadership or leadership recognizes that they have enough votes that if they want to remain in leadership, they got to let these people get their way. So then it becomes 
the law of the land. So while it might not be happening this year in Annapolis, although I wouldn't put anything past them because the left has lost that governor, not their actual governor. They've lost the governor that regulates speed, that regulates decency, that regulates common sense. And they'll be looking in Annapolis up in, in Minnesota and going, wait, they've done it over there. They did it in California. We're going to be, if we don't act now, we're going to be last. Well, there is no single lemming who wants to be the last one over the cliff, is there? No, they want to be in the middle of the pack. Why? Because then you don't really see what you're doing. If you're first, you see everything. If you're last, you still notice that you get to see all the carnage before you splat. But if you're in the middle of the pack, you don't. You're just kind of surrounded and suddenly you're enveloped by it. It's a hell of a way to run the world. But it is true. This is how these people function. This is how the mind works. So they will be coming for your kids eventually, if not now, very soon. This is why they must be defeated on every level. And if you're living in a, a, an area where the Dem- look, I'd love to sit here and tell you if you're in Maryland to contact your, your member of the state legislature, and it might not be futile. It might not be futile if you have a Democrat who is still reasonably relatively sane. But there aren't very many of them left. I don't know who they would be. I don't know who you could call and say, look, what are you doing? You're, you're going to try and force the, the, the government to pay for and mandate that children can be sexually butchered altered sterilized forever so i don't think these people actually believe in this well we're doing it for the good of the children we're doing it for the good these these what you announce that you are trans you are trans forever and they completely ignore the giant swath of people who've detransitioned and the people who testify about how adults leftist activists always weirdly uh members of the alphabet mafia in positions of power and authority have said no 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 they convinced me that i was this that and the other thing it was the cure for what ails you they got me on this and the next thing you know i was butchered permanently i can no longer have children don't let this happen they don't care they don't want to talk to those people they want to pretend they don't exist they make up a stat i think the last i saw the stat they made up, because there's been no study of this, because in the field of science, and uh, you know they believe in science, in the field of science, you will be ruined if you dare try to study this, that what? 0.4% of people who transition regret it and want to detransition. That's the number that they give you. And you're like, that doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. 0.4%? Can I see your work? No, you can't. Can I ask you a couple? No, you can't. There'll be no asking of questions. There will be no nothing. Shut your mouth, learn your place, recognize that this is about a political agenda and if they have to butcher children. And how these people live with it, I don't know. How these people live with themselves, I'll never understand. I think it largely has to do with they couch it under the we're doing good. We're not killing these kids. You know, the suicides they cause aside, we're not killing these kids. We are, in fact, helping these children. And oh, by the way, by help, you know, please stop helping us. But 
I think they look at it in terms of they convince themselves that climate change is going to kill us all. It's going to kill us all. And so the fewer people there are, you can't go around committing genocide yet, although they'd really, really love to. You can't do that. So this is another way, a better way of doing it. Now, that seems a little weird. (laughs) It's because it is. But this is who the left is, and this is who the left is going to be. They don't care about life except their own and the people they care about. Look, Joseph Stalin wasn't indifferent to the prospect of the fate of his family. Kim Jong-un. I saw a story the other day that the the people of North Korea, I don't know how you, you study this, because it's an oppressive regime, but the people of North Korea in the um, in the UK Daily Mail, the people of North Korea were mad at Kim Jong-un's chubby daughter. I didn't know Kim Jong-un had a daughter, but he did. There was a picture of the two of them having lunch together, sitting there, and she's pudgy. Now, he's pudgy, too. He's fat. It's weird. To them, Kim Jong-un is a god, and the Un family is a god, but for some reason, somehow the, the chubby daughter is the problem. Now, they're not mad at her. Well, they are mad at her because he's chub, she's chubby. They're not mad at her because they're fat-shaming her for being chubby. They're mad at her because they're starving to death. <laughs> they're mad at her because they are ordered to subsist, to exist at just a, the bare minimum. Here's the bare minimum number of calories to keep a human being alive in in some areas. And oh, you might want to cut your, you know, half a cup of rice every day with some dirt to get some roughage in there or something. They're mad at that. It's just weird because Kim Jong-un is fat, right? He's, 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 He's the one with the responsibility. Maybe they'll wise up one day and go, hey, it's weird that the only fat people in the country are in government. Uh, The only fat people, the only rich people, the only everything people are all the people who are sitting here lecturing us about the evils of excess, the evils of capitalism. It's highly unlikely because just like we thought that they'd be greeted as liberators in the Middle East, and we were in uh, Iraq, we actually were, and that we would then be able to inspire and sort of impose, if you will, but with, with help the uh, Western-style democracy. See, we had this weird belief that everywhere people are like us. People aren't like us, not because human beings, because a philosophy of government is ingrained in someone's DNA. It's not the case at all. It's because of cultural differences. Some cultures have literally no concept of what individual liberty is. None. So when we removed the oppressive... Uh, Hussein regime in Iraq, everybody reverted back to what was simmering just below the surface, the tribal identities. And oh, you live next door to somebody for a very long time, and then you go, oh, great, now the we're all oppressed by Saddam. Now we're not oppressed by Saddam. Glory day. By the way, I hate you again. I'm going to try to kill you. Oh, you hate me too? You're going to try to kill me? Well, all right, it's game on. Like, wait, you you picked up on something that is obvious, or ironically, you've not been able to engage in your genocidal tribal hatred 
for generations, which means that there are people who are now engaging in the genocidal tribal hatred who were not alive at all when there was genocidal tribal hatred and war and killing of people. Like you're, you're mad about this is, of course, liberalism. That's what they're trying to do in this country. They live in the past. Look at the wrongs of the past. These people did wrong to people who looked like you. Uh, okay. Be mad about it. Why? Well, because you got to be mad about it. Hasn't taken fully hold yet in this country, but the left is not going to stop until they get their way. Division is their friend. But we do have to sort of recognize that some people have no concept in this world of what freedom is. That was our biggest mistake in Iraq, I'd say. Go in there, kill Saddam Hussein, get out, let them figure it out. Or there was a big push, we need to cut Iraq into three pieces so the tribal people won't be fighting over each other, over territory. Couldn't do that, can't do that. We're going to bring a unified, diverse country of... No, it's, it's not the United States, okay? We've had generation. we had founding fathers, we had the Federalist Papers. The Federalist Papers did more good for this country and for the world than I think anybody, and it's weird how it hasn't been attempted to be replicated. Maybe the left doesn't understand it, maybe the right doesn't understand it. They sold these foreign concepts that had only been talked about in, uh, you know, in pubs to the public they explained and they like addressed the fears like well i don't like this part about this what about no 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 here's why it matters and here's what will happen and here's what this means and they actually explained it to them and they gave the people a voice and they convinced the people now granted they didn't let the people have their voice until the people had been convinced but you know what are you going to do there was no attempt to educate the people over there as to what the concept of freedom was like we just assume that everybody wants to be free. Look, a goat herder in a village with 100 people in northern Afghanistan is never going to give a damn if the Taliban are in charge or if a duly ele- democratically elected government is in charge. Why? Because it's never going to impact him. Either way, it's just not going to. The West needs to learn that lesson before it's too late. Now we shift and look at Ukraine and the left's bloodlust there, the left's hypocrisy there. We want peace. We want, okay, well, let's get Russia and Ukraine to maybe stop killing each other for a minute. No, you can't do that. I'll even talk. It's weird how talking about peace saying, hey, maybe we should try and negotiate some kind of peace, is now billed by the peaceniks as you're a pool of Putin. You're a pool of Putin. A tool of Putin. Hello. A pool, uh, a tool of Putin. You're just Putin's mouthpiece. Well, how am I Putin's mouthpiece? Do you want people to stop being killed? Uh, Sure, yeah. No, wait a second. That didn't sound genuine. Yes, of course. Of course, of course, we want people to stop being killed. Okay, well, then shouldn't you try to do something that would uh, try to stop them from being killed? Well, we're, we're trying to stop them from being killed by killing as many of the Russians as humanly possible. Really? Because that just causes Russia to launch back more like Putin's evil. Putin's evil. But you could expose him and maybe get a whole lot more people on your side if you say, hey, we're... Let's give peace a chance. How about we say, 
Russia, get out of Ukraine. And we will then say Ukraine won't ever join NATO. You did say at one point that was the point of this invasion, Vlad. So if we can promise you that we won't do that, then, you know, maybe you could stop the war. He call his bluff. And if he says, uh, yes, well, congratulations, you've just stopped the war. If he says, no, congratulations, you just exposed him as a hypocritical fraud. And that would then justify more opposition, more spending, et cetera, et cetera, on this. Don't you think? I mean, I don't know. I'm not an international, I'm not a member of the Council on Foreign Relations, but it sure strikes me as one way to expose somebody's hypocrisy is to call their bluff, right? Call their bluff. But they don't seem to be wanting to do that. Even the concept of, hey, maybe we should look into peace is viewed as somehow selling out. So that brings us to General or Admiral, retired Admiral John Kirby. He's now under the Obama administration. He was the spokesmodel for the State Department or the Pentagon. I mean, he's been at the State Department as a spokesmodel. Now he is, I believe, the spokesmodel for the National Security Council. Now, what's funny is they bring him out to the White House press briefing an awful lot. An awful lot. I don't remember. I mean, occasionally the, the previous administrations, Republican and Democrat, would bring out somebody to answer some more specific questions on a particular issue, but not always. In fact, it was very rare. You'd go if you had if you want to ask the Pentagon a question, you had to go to the Pentagon press briefing. But if you wanted to ask the White House a, pre, a question about something Pentagon related, you just ask the White House about it. Instead, Corinne Jean Pierre is so bad at her job, so bad at her job, they have to bring in other people to pinch hit for her when the topics are serious. This sort of plays into the garbage we're seeing beforehand, right? With uh, the, the the press circling the wagons around her. She's so historic. Don't ask her questions. It's her job to be asked. No, no, you don't understand. It's her job to be historic. So they brought out Kirby, and he says that the United States will not accept peace in Ukraine, at least not peace on terms we don't like, which last I checked while we're throwing a lot of money in that direction, it's not our war. Today, I think, you, as you all know, President Xi's visiting Russia to meet with President Putin. Now, you also probably know that China's already issued a 12-point plan for the conflict in Ukraine, which includes an essential, an essential point, and that's respect for the sovereignty and territorial integrity of all countries. We encouraged President Xi to advocate for this exact essential key point which must include the withdrawal of Russian forces from sovereign Ukrainian territory consistent with the UN Charter. The entire world would like to see this war end, especially the Ukrainians themselves who have put forward their own plan for a just peace, which draws again on these same UN principles. And let's remember, this war could actually end right now if Russia would would withdraw its troops from the country. We hope the President Xi will press President Putin to cease bombing Ukrainian cities, hospitals, and schools, to halt the uh, war crimes and atrocities, uh, and to withdraw all his troops. But we are concerned that, instead, China will reiterate calls for a ceasefire that leaves Russian forces inside Ukraine's sovereign territory. 
Now, any ceasefire that does not address the removal of Russian forces from Ukraine would effectively ratify Russia's illegal conquests, enabling Russia to entrench its positions and then to restart the war at a more advantageous time for them. This would, uh, the, the world should not be fooled by any tactical move by Russia, aided by China or any other country to freeze the war on its terms without any viable pathway to restore Ukraine's sovereignty and territorial integrity. Any such attempt, any such attempt would violate the UN Charter and defy the will of the 141 countries that demanded just weeks ago at the UN General Assembly that Russia immediately, completely, and unconditionally withdraw from Ukraine. Efforts to end this conflict must take Ukraine's position into account. And so we encourage President Xi to play a constructive role by speaking with President Zelensky, which he has not done since Russia launched this invasion. Because China, quite frankly, we believe, should hear directly from the Ukrainians and not just from the Russians. And we encourage President Xi to press President Putin directly on the need to respect Ukraine's sovereignty and territorial integrity. The world and China's neighbors will certainly be watching closely. We will only accept peace on our terms, said the uninvolved third party. Why? Why? A ceasefire will allow Russia to regroup. Couldn't Ukraine regroup? Couldn't? Well, couldn't you, I don't know, call their bluff? If you have a ceasefire for six months, sure, Russia would be able to seriously regroup. But if you had a ceasefire for a week and you put international pressure on Putin, that maybe call their bluff on it. Say, hey, you wanted a ceasefire, let's this. How about we make sure Ukraine doesn't join NATO and you get the hell out of Ukraine? How about that one? Ugh, you can't do that. Can't do that. Whose war is it anyway? It's a question you got to ask. Now, Kirby, uh, Admiral Kirby, wasn't uh, he? Because that, that clip was pretty long. You know what? We won't support any ceasefire that has anything to do with ceasing fire. We want the blood of Ukrainians and Russians to flow in the streets. He, in an interview, now this is, uh, he's on the phone here. It sounds a little bit weird. But he reiterates the same kind of point that uh, the U.S. ain't really all that interested in a ceasefire. Don't thank you, no thank you, no thank you. Uh, for instance, uh, you guys saw the 12-point plan uh, that was much ballyhooed. Um, it calls for a ceasefire. And, uh, and while that sounds perfectly reasonable and uh, it sounds like a good thing, a ceasefire right now would basically ratify Russia's conquest. Uh, it would, in effect, uh, recognize Russia's gains. Um, in, in all of its attempts to, to conquer a, neighbor, uh, a neighbor's territory by force. Um, it would also, just by dint of doing that, uh, allow Russian uh, troops to continue to occupy sovereign Ukrainian ground. So a ceasefire right now, in our view, would constitute another continued violation uh, of the UN Charter. Russia would basically be free to use that ceasefire to further entrench its positions in Ukraine, to rebuild their forces, refit them, reman them, retrain them, so that they can then restart attacks um, at a time of their cheating. And frankly, that's just not a step uh, that we believe towards a just and durable peace. If a peace is going to be enduring, if it's going to be a just peace, if it's going to be sustainable, it can't be one-sided, and it has to absolutely include and be informed by uh, Ukrainian perspectives and Ukrainian decision. 
Okay, well then why don't we find out whether or not the Ukrainian people want a ceasefire? A ceasefire. See, the way he's talking, well, that'll allow U.S. to, or the Russia to regroup and retroop and retrain and, re, and entrench. If you say, let's have a, a five-year ceasefire, sure. If you say, hey, uh, 72 hours, we're going to stop the killing for 72 hours, and we're going to tell you, Putin, you can have what you want. Ukraine not in NATO. You get out of Ukraine, and uh, Ukraine won't be in NATO. How's that sound? Then he probably won't go for it. Maybe he will, who knows, but he probably won't go for it. Then you can say, hey, Xi Jinping, you're sidling up to a guy who was just offered everything he wanted, everything he said he wanted publicly. He's got it now, and he says it's not good enough. So you're going to stand there with your new friend Russia on the international stage, and we're going to expect to be able to take you seriously as a potential partner in anything? Turn it around if you're skillful diplomatically on China and Russia simultaneously. China cares very, very deeply about saving face, looking good. Doesn't matter. They can be the biggest scumbags on the face of the earth, but it's how they're perceived that matters and how if you slight them in any way, shape or form, etc., etc., it's problematic. So you give them the chance to look at this and go, hey, well, how about this? You've got it. Now you're with a guy who doesn't want what he, he says he wants something but then doesn't get it or, or refuses to accept it. Do you then still stand with Russia? You could say Russia is a victim of the U.S. aggression or whatever. You just offered Russia everything you want. Xi Jinping, you want to do that? And then you've got Xi Jinping, who's just reinstated for a longer period of time. He's probably going to be the leader of China for life. But as we know, in communist dictatorships, that can change on a moment's notice. They get to rule with an iron fist, but every once in a while, a collective iron fist rises up and clobbers them. And so they always have to be wary about that. Look, they can always handle one or two people occasionally stepping out against them behind the scenes because they can just purge them. But a majority of them for making themselves look like fools or whatever, that's a different story. So Xi Jinping does have domestic concerns. We could put that pressure on them, I would think. But nope, not interested. Because right now, Xi Jinping won't even take Joe Biden's phone. You want to know how weak and feckless the United States government looks under this guy, under this administration. Right now, Xi Jinping won't get on the phone with Joe Biden. He's not interested in it. Now, it's funny. This next clip is Admiral Kirby trying to explain why it is. Guy's busy, dude. It was just a weekend, man. He had a party to go to, and nobody could. He had some golf planned. He can't be expected to be on the. Yeah, he can. If it's important, and if it's important to China, it doesn't matter whose birthday party he went to. It doesn't matter what his girlfriend wanted, or wife, or whatever. Both of them want. He would get on the phone with the president of the United States. But if he is perceiving to himself to have the upper hand. He gets to play coy. He gets to play cute. And the United States gets to run around and go, oh, please pay attention to us. Won't you please get on the phone with the president?
That sort of, yeah, maybe they probably sound a little bit different. But the sentiment is the same. So I want to play you this clip of, of Kirby saying, hey, um, Xi Jinping's just too damn busy to get on the phone right now. He's having a, it's a busy time for him. Look, committing genocide and then meeting with, uh, with somebody, with, with a, another despot, is, it eats a lot of time up. And on the phone call between President Biden and President Xi, what is the holdup here? It, it, you all seem interested in, in talking. Are the Chinese not interested? No holdup. No holdup at all. Um, uh, we want to make sure when we have this conversation, it's at the, it's at, at the appropriate time and in the right context. Uh, President Xi's been kind of busy of late. I mean, he had the, the People's Congress, which just ended. Now he's in uh, Moscow. Um, so look, when it's the right time uh, and uh, for, for, for both leaders, we'll, we'll get him on the phone. Very busy. It's the right time for both leaders. All right. Well, are you trying to broker peace or are you not trying to broker peace? Are you trying to put pressure on uh, Putin or are you not trying to put pressure on Putin? I'm just curious here because I've, you know, if you you want to use Xi Jinping in this way, maybe you try and do that. What have you? Well, I don't know. I just can't figure it out. He's too damn busy. Now, what do I think is really going on here? Because there's no way anybody's too damned busy to, for a phone call. If the White House and China wanted this phone call to happen, this phone call would happen. Now, it's highly likely that the White House would like this call to happen. It is highly unlikely that Xi Jinping wants this call to happen. There's no benefit in it for Xi Jinping doesn't doesn't really care, doesn't give a damn about the issue. But the White House might not want it either, to a certain extent. So I'm going to play you this clip. The President of the United States yesterday vetoed a bill. Congress, in a bipartisan fashion, we're always told what? We're always told it's wildly important. Bipartisanship, my God, it's the most important thing in the world, bipartisanship. Everybody bow down to bipartisanship. We had this bipartisan bill in the banking industry, in the investment industry, that basically said that the number one priority of, say, hedge fund managers and people who manage all these monies, these big investment firms, is to make money. Forget all the politics. Forget all the PCBS. Forget all the ESG and the DEI and all because the left is weaponizing the hedge fund industry because they control it. They're mostly lefties. And pressuring the ones who won't conform because they believe it by threatening their livelihood to say, hey, you should try to influence corporate policy through extortion. We'll take our money out of your company. We'll crash your stock if and you don't give us what we want. If you do not adhere to this left wing ideology. Okay. Well, there was a bipartisan push to ban that, amongst other things, but that was the gist of it. Joe Biden decided to veto that because he wants climate change. He wants leftists in charge to weaponize their billions and trillions of investment holdings against corporations that refused to voluntarily bend the knee to the left-wing agenda. So... He vetoed, now he recorded a veto message. This clip is only 20 seconds long, but if you're wondering why it is that maybe there 
isn't an interest from the White House's perspective in getting Kim or getting uh, Joe Biden on the phone with Xi Jinping. Listen to what Joe Biden says in this clip is kind of irrelevant. You can listen to it. It's 20 seconds long. But he's sitting at his desk. They show the B-roll of him signing the veto. Oh, he's vetoing. Listen to his energy, or should I say lack of energy. And imagine this guy on the phone. This could be the biggest reason why we're not making diplomatic pushes and trying to pressure Vladimir Putin or really anybody in any way, shape, or form diplomatically on the international stage because Joe Biden... Joe Biden simply isn't up to the task. He is not up to the task. Listen to this and tell me you think this guy has the energy to be engaged on the world stage. I just signed this veto because the legislation passed by the Congress would put at risk the retirement savings of individuals across the country. They couldn't take into consideration investments that wouldn't be impacted by climate, impacted by overpaying executives. And that's why I decided to veto it. It makes sense to veto it. This is why I now I got to go to bed because, damn, I'm tired, man. Jill snores like you wouldn't believe it. I just could not get any damn sleep last night. Jeez. She just won't. She, has, she suffers from the night terrors. She ends up screaming and punching me in my... Does that person sound well to you? Does that person sound well to you in any way, shape, or form? Now, there are some times... When Joe Biden sounds like somebody who has energy, I imagine those are the times that he is pharmaceutically propped up with God knows what that they give him. And I imagine that the propping up drugs are, you know, uppers are not particularly healthy for long term use amongst young people. That's how you end up with rock stars dying at age 27. So many of the 27 club. So when you're an octogenarian, being propped up with uppers is probably not all that super good. So you have to use them sparingly, right? Does that guy sound like he's ready to be engaged with anybody? Does that guy sound like he is capable of doing anything except for barely awake reading the teleprompter as it was fed to him? That doesn't sound like that to me. Doesn't sound like that remotely to me. So that might be a bigger reason as to why. And it's very disturbing to hear the president of the United States say, This is why I'm doing this. This is why I'm doing that. I just, I, okay, Joe, can you explain it more than uh, you would, I don't know, the way a third grader might understand it? Is there any way you could give a little nuance? No, I can't. I got to go to bed. That's the president of the United States. Now, he sounds that way sometimes when he's out at events, which leads me to really believe that the problem is that they can't prop him up all the time. They can't constantly be giving him these drugs. So they can give him the drugs only when they they can, only when they need to, only when uh, it's wildly important. And then... Then they kind of got to let him go, and they kind of got to give him a cup of what a cup of coffee can't accomplish, and what they can't accomplish pharmaceutically, they just kind of got to let him go. Maybe I'm reading too much into this, but that's not a healthy guy. If you go back and you look at any of the old interviews that Joe Biden has given, any of the old forget speeches. If you're in front of a crowd, even though Joe 
giving speeches now is hit or miss, and he's occasionally very groggy and, and, and not a lot of energy. But if you go back five years, when he was vice, we go back to yeah, more than five years now, when he was vice president, you go back to 20 years or 15 years when he was a United States senator, you watch him on an old Meet the Press, sitting at a table, having a discussion, not giving a campaign speech. He is, well, he sounds like I do right now. Look, someday I will slow down. Some, it doesn't sound like it now. I maybe sound like Hunter Biden on a crack binge or something, just bouncing off the walls sometimes. I talk fast sometimes. I get it. Joe Biden used to be like that. Everybody kind of used to be like that. And as you age, it's only a matter, it's, it's only nature that you slow down. Not to say that Joe Biden is going to drop dead tomorrow. I don't know. I'm not God. I can't figure out what the man's health situation is. But the problem is that they're not dealing with a health situation. They're dealing with reality, and they're denying reality. The reality is when you get up into your 80s, you slow down. When you get up into your 80s, the synopses may still well be firing, but they are not doing so with the speed and regularity they used to. It's just common sense. I don't know what that means, except for the idea that if you want, would you want that guy on a phone call with Xi Jinping? Would you want that guy on a phone call with Xi Jinping? Do you think the interests of the United States would be served and protected with that guy in a phone call with Xi Jinping? Before my father passed away, he was slowing down. He was slowing down. One of the last times we talked, Quinn had a wobbly tooth. She still has a wobbly tooth. And she wanted to tell Grandpa about her wobbly tooth because she's very excited. Can't be that wobbly. It hasn't fallen out yet. But he was having difficulty understanding her. It was the week he passed away. He was having difficulty understanding her. It wasn't because Quinn was mumbling. Now you can retroactively see it. But he was on a lot of medicines, and if they switched medicines up, he could get that way, he could get that kind of groggy. That's how Joe Biden is. Not all the time. Nobody's that way all the time. But you can't risk any of the time when you're on the international stage and dealing with people who have not only not the best interests of the United States at, in mind, but the opposite of the best interests of the United States in mind they need to keep him off the phone with everybody for god's sakes oh by the way remember the the big protest out at uh stanford they had a, a federal judge out there and they they uh they, the students there led by the uh dean of diversity equity inclusion they they shouted him down they said no you're a fascist you're a monster you're just wrong you're just ter- you exist wrong and we for therefore must deny you the right to speak those kids out there the future fascists of america the champions of the first amendment god our country's in trouble these people if, if i was going to say if these people if they lower the uh <laughs> the standards for lawyers but honestly i'm not really sure that the uh, there are any but anyway there's a group of people out there in stanford who have been you know highlighting the the little fascists who are shouting down this judge 
and they've been getting some, you know, the story's been getting some press coverage in conservative press mostly because the left-wing press goes, yeah, you just shut him up. He's, he thinks wrong. Well, the, uh, the students who are being pointed out as being part of this little fascistic group, they're trying desperately to make sure that their names are kept out of the press. Now, these are people, these are people, the champions, the tip of the spear, the prickly shaft of the spear of cancel culture, want to make sure that their names are expunged. You can't find out that these people are involved in these things. Because why? Because future employers might look up and say, hey, wait a second, little, uh, little Becky Johnson is not a big fan of the First Amendment. And while... You know, certain law firms, particularly liberal law firms, might go, eh, you know what, I don't really care. I'm not a big fan of the First Amendment either. Some of their clients might be. If you're a client in need of a First Amendment lawyer because your rights have been violated by government or whatever, you're being accused, you want somebody who has a, uh, a positive view of the concept of free speech. For anybody, lest you hire somebody who goes, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna phone it in for you. I, you know, I first, I like freedom of speech for people who agree with me, but people who don't agree with me, I don't know. And your policies as a company, some of them I like, some of them I don't like. But don't worry, I'm gonna give you ninety, ninety-five percent of my best. You're probably not going to go with that person. Now they're never going to tell you. I'll give you, I'll give you a solid eighty-seven percent floor promise that I'm going to do my 87% best or more, depending on the day. You're probably not going to come out and say that, but you can look and see what groups they were associated with. You go, well, I'm here and I'm a capitalist and I'm being sued by an anti-capitalist, a communist. Maybe I shouldn't hire somebody with a past of communism to be my representative who hasn't repented, who hasn't said, you know what? God, I was stupid then. That sort of thing. So they're upset. Washington Free Beacon has the story. The debate inside Stanford Law School, where activist students earlier this month shouted down a federal circuit court judge, shouted down federal circuit court judge Kyle Duncan at a Federalist Society event, has moved beyond whether those students should face any consequences for their outrageous conduct. The school has made clear they will not, because being a liberal means you face no consequences. Now we debate the propriety of the conservative students uh, on the receiving end of that vitriol, expressing their displeasure with the school and their classmates in the press. Stanford administrators are hoping this public relations nightmare will blow over if everybody, particularly the Federalist Society students targeted by the activists, would be so kind as to shut up and take this one on the chin. The administration aims to run the operation like an abusive parent would. Don't say a word to anybody about how you got the bruises or else. That really is how the, the left will sit there and they will abuse the right. Abuse, when they get a big, not even a big dose, when they get a dose of their own medicine, even a small taste of their own medicine, they suddenly and uh, immediately go, hey, wait a second. This isn't fair. What are you doing? How dare you do such things? They really don't like getting a big dose of their own medicine. That's why I love administering it. That's why I, I think they absolutely should be uh, 
crammed full of it, if you will. Perhaps the most outrageous is an email. Now, this is there's a, but most outrageous is an email sent Tuesday from Federalist Society faculty advisor Michael McConnell, the lone conservative on the Sta- uh, Stanford Law School faculty to the student group's members urging them in interactions with the press to, quote, not speak out of anger and not exacerbate an already tense situation, end quote. No, absolutely, speak out however you want. Quote, many in the media would like nothing more than to find sources and quotes that are inflammatory on one side or the other. This is not in your interest, and it is not in the long-term interest of a chapter at Stanford, nor of Stanford as an institution, McConnell wrote. In particular, I have heard that some outlets wish to obtain names and likenesses of protesting students. I suggest not cooperating with any such efforts. Boy, howdy. These are... This is the general who who bombs his own troops, isn't it? Why members of the school's Federalist Society should help? Co- why should the members of the school's Federalist Society help cover up the misconduct of their peers and the administrators who collaborated with them is a mystery to the Washington Free Beacon. They report, but such a cover up is surely not in the best interest of the institution or the legal system it ostensibly serves. McConnell told us he stands by his guidance with press engagement, but did not respond to questions about what sorts of consequences might be appropriate for the mob that shut down the event. The school's chapter of the National Lawyers Guild, an organizing force behind the Maoist horde of would-be lawyers, papered the hallways prior to Judge Duncan's arrival with the names and photographs of the Federalist Society's board members. Yes, fellow students, there's the flyer right there. Their pictures, their names, their graduating class, they're basically targeted by the left. Oh, they're horrible people. These should be ashamed, they said. Meet the Federalist Society's 2022-2023 board. You should be ashamed, and ashamed is written in blood-red font. Yet when Free Beacon reporter Aaron Siberum quoted the group's board members describing the protests as, quote, Stanford Law School at its best, and named the board members, they got a note from Lily Boo to... uh, demanding we remove the names of her classmates. A student, uh, quote, you do not have our permission to reference or quote any portion of this email in a future piece. That's not how the First Amendment works, ladies and gentlemen. The left hates being exposed for the monsters that they are. Why? Because they're monsters. Deep down, they know what they are. Antifa didn't choose the name Antifa because they're anti-fascists. They choose the name Antifa because they knew they were fascists. And their best defense was to have built in. It's right in Don Lemon and all the leftists in the media go, well, they're anti-fascists. It's right there in their names. Duh, 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 duh. Forget what they're doing. They're anti-fascists. They declared it. The Klan is anti-racist. They say they're anti-racist. Meanwhile, while January 6th, defendants are still being held in solitary confinement or being convicted in sham trials where evidence is being withheld by the federal government. You think, how does the left treat its own violent mob? Hmm? 
because there are a lot of peaceful protesters who just made the mistake of going into the Capitol without a day pass, and they are facing ruination, fiscally and every other way. Well, the goons up in Philadelphia give you a taste of their own. There's really, there's something bad going to happen. There's no way this can continue. New York Times. Philadelphia has agreed to pay $9.25 million to more than 300 people who say they were injured by police in response to racial justice protests that erupted after the murder of George Floyd in 2020, the city said on Monday. Now, don't you love that? They are racial justice protests. They're not riots. No, 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 they are not riots. Do not say they are riots. They are racial justice protests. More than 300. So if we're just going with 300 at 9.25 million, that's $30,833 and 33 cents. We'll round it up to 34 per goon. Now, some goons get more than others. Is that justice? Is this, it's taxpayer money, by the way. The city announced the settlement with the plaintiffs in a class action suit who say they sustained, quote, physical and emotional injuries in the city's response to civil unrest and demonstrations on May 31st and June 1st, 2020, after the murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis, city officials said. Plaintiffs in the lawsuits included residents of West Philadelphia and people who participated in demonstrations on I-676, in which they called for police accountability. Videos taken at the time showed officers using tear gas and pepper spray on protesters who gathered minutes earlier. Plaintiffs said officers also used rubber bullets. Rubber bullets and tear gas obstructing traffic, burning down buildings, throwing bricks at police officers, trying to kill police officers, beating up anybody who gets in their way. Now, there were a total of 343 plaintiffs. That would bring the settlement total down to per, if you're just giving it out evenly, $26,967.93. Good work if you can get it. But in addition, a grant of 500 thousand to six hundred thousand to the bread and roses community fund will fund free mental health counseling for west philadelphia residents the group works towards racial social and economic justice in the city now what in the hell does this group have to do with the riots in philadelphia doesn't matter they probably helped organize them who the hell knows but to sit there and go oh this group in order to perpetuate justice we must rape everybody in the in the city taxpayers unbelievable mental health counseling will also be available to all residents with an un within an unspecified radius of the 52nd street corridor where protests took place in west philadelphia not just plaintiffs in the lawsuit the city said oh all right great you're gonna call how about you just get more how about you tell these people to get bent to man up cry babies oh woman up cry babies whatever you got tear gassed you have the sads well how do you think the police officer that either you or your goon squad member next to you tried to kill feel you think they're feeling really good about it 
you got hit with a beanbag. That's not pleasant, but you know what? If you don't want to have that happen to you, don't go party in a riot, okay? You stand next to somebody and they pull a pop bottle full of gasoline out of their pocket with a dirty tube sock stuffed in it and they light that sucker on fire and heave it towards the police, that should be your cue to leave. Not your cue to search for your own bick and go, damn, why didn't I buy those glass bottle Coca-Colas with the real sugar in it? Why do I have to buy these plastic things? You expect me to give a damn that your feelings were hurt? No, I want your feelings hurt. You are participating in a violent mob trying to murder human beings, trying to enforce your will on other people with force. Do I give a damn what happens to you? Yes. Yes, I do. Not in a good way. I want bad things to happen to you. (laughs) Quote, the pain and trauma caused by the legacy of systemic racism and police brutality against black and brown Philadelphians is immeasurable, Mayor Jim Kennedy of Kennedy of Philadelphia said in a statement about the settlement. We hope this settlement will provide some healing from the harm experienced by people in their neighborhoods in West Philadelphia during the demonstrations on I-676 in 2020. Okay, so wait a second. What about the people whose lives were upended by these jackasses playing in traffic? I suspect some cars were damaged. Those people get counseling too. Mr. Mayor. It's the white savior complex at play right there. These oh, the, these people, the racial justice, the horrible... If you've ever been in West Philadelphia, it sucks, right? Democrats have been in control of Philadelphia for a very long time. The only parts... There's a couple of rich areas of Philadelphia that are heavily patrolled by police. They're by, you know, they're very liberal, but they're not liberals aren't suicidal. Rich liberals aren't suicidal. They're more genocidal. They uh they let the poor areas of Philadelphia go to hell. They let them be destroyed. They don't really give a damn about the people who live there. And every once in a while they throw them a bone. No, no, your rights have been here's some counseling and here's one month's worth of mortgage payments for my mansion out there for you now here's a lollipop pat you on the head kid go about your way oh why by the way why is there such high unemployment why is this why are the schools in these predominantly black neighborhoods gone to hell in a handbasket well it's those very same democrats it's the people who walk around with the suckers in their pockets to give out to the kids to pat them on the head it's those people weird how that works isn't it the people who swoop in with a settlement for the goon squad, the people out there who are involved in a violent protest, a riot, if you will, are not the best and the brightest in the neighborhood. The best and the brightest in the neighborhood look around and say, we're not going to go burn down our neighborhood. We're not going to go beat the hell out of people in our neighborhood. We're going to stop this, knock this off. What are you doing? Those people don't get any... Well, I guess maybe if they live geographically near somebody, they could get a piece of the the action. But that's about it. (laughs) That's it. You get a little... You can get some counseling, too, maybe. Maybe, maybe, maybe. But that's it. Not interested in anything else. Shut your mouth and learn your place. That's how Democrats work. We will protect you from the mess we've created. Wait a second. Why, why? 
why don't you just not create the mess? Why don't you undo the mess that you... No, no, no. We're going to protect you wholeheartedly from the mess that our policies have created. But don't worry. It'd be much, much worse if the other people were in charge. They actually want to do harm to you. Well, what do, what do you want to do to me? Because you're doing harm. Eh, shut up. Learn your place. Be quiet. Progressives. The left will always find a way to fund itself. They're not going to you know, they use government money, use taxpayer money to fund itself, to fund its brown shirts. It's, it's that simple. It's who they are. I want to play you this clip from the CBS Morning Show. Al Franken is uh, hosting the uh, Daily Show this week. Al, disgraced former senator who was uh, accused credibly, because there's a photograph of it, of assaulting sexually groping Leanne Tweeden on a USO tour a long time ago. He had to resign from the Senate out of disgrace. He's been rehabilitated now. The lefties, if if Harvey Weinstein got out of prison and could pull together the funding for a movie, they'd all be riding right up to him going, hey, Harvey, I, I always knew you got railroaded, pal. I knew it. Um, they're talking about Florida. They're... they're this is a demonstration of how little people in media actually pay attention to the news. People in news don't pay attention to the news. I don't know who the... There's uh, Gail King, some white guy, and some black guy. I don't know who those... I don't watch CBS at all, ever. Um, but I don't know who the black guy is. He's the one you'll hear who's talking about Al Franken. But they talk about Florida and the schools down there. And it demonstrates that Al Franken is a liar. And I believe he knows the truth and he just chooses to ignore it because he's always been a liar whoever the host is is an idiot who doesn't follow the news and has no idea nor real concern about what the hell's going on in florida he's just got this screwed up idea in his head and he's going to spew it because that's the way it works Talk about some current events. Uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, he's a strong contender for a 2024 run. Um, he's recently led an attack on the word woke and whatever that means. It's come to mean something very different by Republicans. What would you like? Give me some something to work with here. Well, I, what he's done is ridiculous in Florida. He has this uh, law that that a, uh, if a teacher makes a kid feel uncomfortable about anything i guess including their race that they the the parent can sue them so i mean how do you teach how do you teach history you know american history in florida it's like um um for our first 200 years there were people who um had to work for free mm-hmm. yeah you know uh no not not like your father's uh you know like the free internship you did for your father you know i mean it, it's like yeah, I've seen proposals where people say, when you're talking about Rosa Parks, you don't mention her race. You just mention that she was asked to step to the back yeah. of the bus, but she chose not to do that, and she should be applauded for that. You take out the mention. That she was told to sit in the back of the yeah, bus. Right. Because that'll make them feel uncomfortable. Yes. It, context it, matters. It's, it's, a, very, context. it's yeah. a very tricky business down in Florida right now. Yeah, very tricky. None of that is true. Now, you you see how wildly unfunny Al Franken is when he's not scripted. His ad-libbing chops, again, the age is, is showing there. But whoever the black guys are, I've seen proposals where they'd say, you talk about Rosa Parks, don't mention that she was black, just that she was asked to move to the back of the bus. Where are you seeing these proposals? You notice how he doesn't say 
Where were these? Well, some guy I went to high school with blog. Oh, okay. Somebody tweeted it. Uh, some egg tweeted it. This is journalism. You'd think some. None of that is true, by the way. None of it is remotely true. You'd think these people would follow the news. You'd be wrong. They're overpaid idiots. We're out of time for today. Appreciate the use of your ears. Have yourself a great one. We'll be back here tomorrow. <laughs>